Hello, welcome back to the IFA podcast. My name is Sachim Dubberman. I'm the chief scientist of IFA. And today we want to talk about data more precisely why it is so important to share in particular field data because field data are the gold standard needed for anything we do in developing better crop nutrition advisory solutions. And so today we want to discuss uh, how more open data sharing and access uh, can contribute to accelerating the R&D process for such advisory solutions. And so I'm very happy to have with us uh, two speakers who will look at this from different angles. Uh, our first guest is um, Ron Baruchi. He's the president and CEO of Agmatics, a startup company in Israel. And we'll hear about them a little bit later. And then we have with us uh, Cameron. Cameron Ludemann from Wageningen University, a researcher who works uh, with us and others uh, on data sharing platforms and improving the quality of data for crop nutrition purposes. So, Ron, Everyone is talking about digital agriculture, and many companies and other organizations are in that market already. In your opinion, what's holding them back most, and why is that so? Thanks, Akim. I think uh, even though we see the number of uh, digital solutions increase significantly in the last uh, few years, uh, we still see uh, gaps in digital adoption on the farmers' levels and uh, in certain areas, and many times those gaps are derived from the fact that there is a very big disconnect between data which is being actually collected and the insights and actions which are actually being generated at the field level, allowing the growers or the farmer to make a specific prescription or specific action to change what they need to change. And this gap between this disconnect between data which is being collected and actual insights and and uh, actionable uh, uh, prescriptions at feed level uh, slows down uh, the adoption of those tools, including other uh, reasons like the total cost uh, of deploying those uh, those uh, tools and uh, gaps in uh, showing the return of investment in some of those areas. Cameron, your Coming at this more from the public sector research angle, what, in your experience, do you see there so far in terms of, let's call it the typical behaviors of scientists? Are they willing to share their data or are there too many constraints for them? What are maybe some bottlenecks on that end that might prevent more data sharing in access? Yeah, I think nearly all scientists understand the real value of opening up their data in a shared environment. You get a lot of good value from scientists when you open up the data for the public. and But unfortunately, there can be some bottlenecks to scientists. In particular, there can be the physical bottleneck uh, where data are stored in different locations and different formats. One scientist even said to me he had some great data for me, but it was uh, located not on a hard drive, but stored on different pieces of paper all around the country. The other bottleneck is legal. So often scientists are willing to share their data. If only they could get approval from their department or their, their funder. And um, so to get around this bottleneck, we, we might have to wait until the, the data gets published. Otherwise, these data get lost and no one can get um, insights from them. So, mm, Yeah. And I think it's often also some time required and hassle and some people just don't want to deal with this and they move on to other things quickly and then the data gets stuck in 
computers and spreadsheets or even folders for decades and yeah, and not all value is being derived from it. But we'll come back to that in a minute. So, Ron, in your company, Agmatics, uh, focuses on creating better platforms for data sharing and utilization. Why did you create it and what problems are you trying to solve there? What, what's your basic approach for that? I think it's uh, it's exactly the combination of uh, Camon's uh, aspects and uh, what I was mentioning because we, we understand that um, even though farmers have adoption gaps, they all turn to their trusted advisors, which is the agronomists, the ag researchers, and uh, extension agents. And uh, we look at those community of people and we say, you know, the best uh, thing we need to do is to equip them with high-quality standardized data in order for them to provide the best uh, insights and best advice to the farmers to improve yield, improve sustainability, and quality of, uh, of produce. This uh, challenge is something that we took upon ourselves is really to uh, to generate a platform that knows how to uh, enable uh, those uh, ag professionals from various aspects to gain access to high quality data, uh, especially coming from field trials and experimentation, to gain access to this standardized data, enriched data that they can build the crop models and close this disconnect that I mentioned earlier and uh, generate prescriptions for farmers to improve uh, their, uh, their ag practices. So you're a, a startup company, a private company, but you're also tr- uh, trying to get, obviously, data from many others in the public sector. Do you find that difficult? What principles do you follow there? I think, I think uh, we, we are looking at, uh, at the model of uh, data sharing at scale, in order to enable those community of users to uh, to gain access to this data in a standardized way. And for that, we need really to harness both the private sector and also the public sector as well, and governments and uh, research institutions and universities. Uh, we have great success with uh, academic institutions and universities and research organizations. And we are promoting our case also with private companies, which are able to share data at scale. Uh, because uh, when you move to a non-compete uh, situation, both uh, all sides are winners. And we can already see, like the case we did uh, on the corp nutrition data that I'm sure Kamal will explain in a moment, uh, how uh, you gain access to high-quality data from all players, if you're a private company, if you're a researcher, if you're a government or even a financial institute, uh, this will promote innovation in the industry and uh, reduce time to market for new uh, new products and new uh, technologies that we want to transfer. So basically, you you collect data, you ingest the data into your platform, you clean it, you standardize it, you make it available, and then you also use it for your own uh, commercial applications. So, so what what kind of applications do you yourself have in mind in Agmatics? We have uh, we, we are doing uh, four main uh, activities. The first one is is really providing a value in uh, the case of uh, field trials and experimentation, and we have developed a platform that give uh, either uh, players in the industry that I mentioned before, if you are a university, a research organization, or a commercial company, a place to run your experiments, uh, perform data collection, and to do data analysis on your own data without sharing it outside. And if you want, you can share it to the outside world. Uh, we have also uh, an internal tool to do uh, insights and uh, to develop uh, 
crop models. We are able to translate those models into prescriptions. We have uh, specifically done this in the place of plant nutrition. We have a platform that knows to provide digital prescriptions from field trials data for 150 crops already live in India and in Brazil and now being deployed in other territories. Uh, and we also have a mobile app that knows how to do data collection from field level uh, that knows how to close the full cycle between research, prescriptions, and uh, backloop from the field itself to improve the practices that we are doing. Well, that's great. It sounds like an end-to-end approach from better field trials and collecting data all the way to uh, processing it and using it. Uh, great. Uh, Cameron, last year uh, a new website was released. It's called cropnutrientdata.net. Why was that created? What is it? How does it work? What's in it so far? Yeah, so each year there's many field trials being completed around and undertaken around the world. And unfortunately, as mentioned before, um, these data could be stored in various places and it can take a long time to get into a, a nice, neat format and being able to really overcome the challenge of creating a unified database. And that's why this database was set up to address the, the challenge of bringing all the data together and to make it easier for researchers and anyone to, to use uh, the data to gain insights with particular emphasis on addressing some of the environmental and economic questions related to nutrients and crops. And how it works is um, behind the scenes there's artificial intelligence and agronomic experts who behind the scenes are standardising any data that are sent. And once those data have been uh, passed the rigorous standardisation process, it's put onto the open database, which anyone can sign up to. And there you can search through the data and actually create your own personalised maps or plots or statistical tools. And, or if you're like me, you can actually export the data and use it in R or Python or any software that you want. And currently in the database, there's data from over 70 countries with more than 50 people or organisations who have contributed uh, with more data sets in the pipeline to be included. So this includes data from nutrient emission trials, as well as data from trials that include crop yields, nutrient concentrations of crops, as well as fertilizer application rates, as well as many other variables. So if I'm a researcher or even working in a company and I want to share my data through this platform, is this a lot of hassle for me? Do I need to fill out a lot of paperwork and agreements? Do I need to spend a lot of time formatting my data in a complex spreadsheet? How do I do it? Yeah, we try and make it as, as easy as possible to, to share data. And so the artificial intelligence and the people working behind the scenes can deal with whatever data that you send to us. And actually, they and the artificial intelligence actually learns as it gets different format types as well. So we want to reduce the barrier as much as possible to sharing the data and we can actually help researchers through that tedious process of um, combining uh, data sets from in various formats into a nice standardized format. Well, cool. Well, well, maybe in the future we can even use a chatbot to query the data and to talk to the database and uh, let us extract the data we want. You know, I can see this coming. 
But uh, for the meantime, can you give us a more practical example for how that database is being used already? Yeah, in an academic environment, uh, we're actually using those data to improve some of the estimates of some important coefficients for crop nutrient budgets, such as crop harvest index and the nutrient concentrations of crop products and crop residues. And we've been using machine learning methods and advanced statistical methods to do that. And that's quite important to improve estimates of how much nutrients are being taken away to get an idea of whether there's an imbalance in, in nutrients being applied in different locations around the world. And some of those coefficients that we're working on can help improve some of the global estimates for, for example, the UN Food and Agriculture Organization have a crop plan nutrient budget where they they show the the difference between nutrient inputs and outputs at a global level. So this database, the crop nutrientdata.net data can help improve some of those coefficients uh, at a global level as well as actually improve estimates of crop nutrient use efficiency and crop nutrient um, budgets at a very local level. Yeah, and that, that's how we brings us to the very clear conclusion. If one has bigger and better databases, one can do also much better and more specific modeling with that data. Yeah, so this is uh, the whole purpose of that. Now, a question to both of you. Uh, so having been engaged in this uh, space now for a few years and probably also having learned a few things from it, you know, I think it's very important to sort of distill what some of the sort of four or five major principles are in terms of good data management and data sharing in such platforms what would you say those principles might be, Ron? I think uh, to connect to what you said, big data today we understand is not enough. We are moving from big data to right data in order to do the crop models that Cameron was mentioning. And in order to be able to choose the right data, uh, you need the t- data to tell the story. And I think that uh, once one of the things that we see today is that uh, there is many data items which are missing the metadata behind them. What type of protocol they use to do the calculations? What kind of measurement units they use to do the measurement themselves? And in order for us to use the right data to be much more efficient and to use machine learning and AI algorithms in the right way, I think that uh, the metadata that we collect is as important as the data itself. And uh, the surrounding story about data collection is a critical aspect of our ability to run very precise and very strong and scientifically based insights that will be able to provide those prescriptions that we talk about. Mm -hmm. Cameron, from your point, any any other principles to add? Yeah, obviously there's the, the FAIR principle, so making it findable, accessible, interoperable and reusable, but... I align to what Ron said, um, and my sort of principle is transparency and how important that is. What Ron is saying about the metadata, it's so important. Take something as simple as crop yield. It could be uh, measured in fresh weight or dry matter terms. It could be on a per hectare, uh, 
per acre or a fed-in um, basis, to name but a few. And uh, having that transparency to know exactly what each data point is makes such a difference. Um, it certainly makes it easier. It saves me time having to go back to the owners of the data to understand what the data actually mean. And I think Agmatics are doing a great job in being able to improve the standardization of, of the data with um, their data classification. So it has a, a, a very clear uh, protocol for adding new um, bits of data. They have the guards protocol. And if you go into the, the, the database, you can actually see the hierarchy of it. And it's, it's right down to the lowest level of detail. So I find that um, really important, the, the transparency of the data. Great. Now, looking ahead a little bit, looking forward in in an ideal world, in your dreams maybe even, how would you like to develop these wonderful data platforms that you have created further? I think um, there are two things which I would say. Uh, first, as an idealistic dream is that uh, data will be open and people will get access to data like like uh, the open code need to the software industry. Uh, think about what open data can do to the agriculture and food industry in terms of solving some of the biggest uh, biggest issues. So this is, uh, it requires a psychological change, but uh, I do believe that this, uh, this could happen. The second thing that I would say is that uh, we see, and we already now are working on these innovations in mathematics, is really talking about the next generation trials and the next generation agriculture research, which heavily involved synthetic data and digital twin of uh, field trials that enables you to do modeling uh, on a virtual environment before you actually go to the field in order to reduce the risks of unsuccessful research and actually to reduce uh, time to market of new technologies. So uh, I see more uh, data sharing more uh, open data platforms that people can gain access to, more collaborations, and more use of synthetic data to drive the industry forward. What's your dream, Cameron? Yeah, at the moment, the, the database is purely field experiment data, and it'd be great to be able to sort of augment the field experiment data from, with data from uh, commercial farms. And this would allow us to see how well our prediction models that are from field experiments actually play out in a commercial environment. And ideally have this in real time or, or near to real time, because as we've known through the, the COVID crisis, having real time information to go to scientists has been really important for decision making. And the same can be said with some of the environmental and food security issues that we're facing at the moment. If we can have more realistic data coming quicker, then we can improve um, our decision making and uh, getting good insights from, from those data. Yeah, I completely agree with this. I mean, we're still uh, often hampered by the fact that data that we use are come with a substantial time delay. Uh, also, the spatial resolution is not very high. We only cover certain places or certain experiments or wherever people work. Whereas maybe in the future, we would love to be able to do more of the crowdsourcing kind and real more near real-time kind of data collection for critical information that can then feed into some clever applications. But that's the future, and that's maybe the subject for 
another podcast someday. Uh, I'm having high hopes that we live in an age where uh, data are not just there for being collected and stored, but actually used much more and more added, more value is being added to it. So with that, I want to thank you, uh, Ron and Cameron, and thank you all for listening to us today.